Okay, today's daf is Shabbos daf Samach Aleph. So we are on the bottom line of Samach Ahmed Bez. So the Mishnah said that a person cannot go out with one shoe. A person cannot go out with one shoe. Unless there's a maka, unless he has some type of wound on one of his feet. Now we, we kind of jumped in, but the Gemara says that the Mishnah didn't explain which foot has the maka, which foot has this wound, and there would be no concern that either people think he's carrying the other shoe, or the other concern was that if he would see someone that he's embarrassed to be in front of, walking around with one shoe, he might end up removing that second shoe and carrying it. So the Mishnah said, that's only Bisman she'in baragle maka, if he doesn't have a maka on his foot. So comes the Gemara, the first line, if his foot does have a maka, has a wound on it, nafik, he's allowed to go out with one shoe. So the Gemara asks, behind me nafik, which foot can you wear a shoe on? Meaning, can you wear a shoe on the foot that has a maka? Or does it mean you can wear a shoe on the other foot? So imagine someone has a cast, so they're walking around with one foot that has a shoe on, and the other foot has a cast on it. So which one is it? Behind me now you nothing. So I'm Ravuna, and the Gemara is going to explain the machlekes. I'm Ravuna, but ba You're allowed to wear the one sandal on the foot that has a maka. However, the foot that does not have a maka, so you would not be able to wear one sandal on that. Now why is that? Alma kasavar, he holds that sandal l'shum tsar avid. The function, the purpose of a shoe is to is to protect me from being in pain. So not everyone walks around with shoes. Some people prefer not to wear shoes. Why would you wear a shoe? I only wear a shoe when I will be in pain. So if I have a maca on my foot, if I walk around on the stones and pebbles, it's going to hurt my foot. So therefore, I'm going to wear one shoe on the foot that is hurting. Right? Why is the guy not wearing two shoes? He should wear two shoes. If he's wearing a shoe on the foot that is in pain, why wouldn't he wear the second shoe on the other foot? It must be that the only reason why this person would wear a shoe in the first place is in order to protect him from pebbles. But he doesn't really care. He doesn't mind walking on pebbles, except when he's in pain. When he's in pain, he's not going to walk on pebbles. So therefore, according to Ravuna, when the Mishnah says you're allowed to wear one shoe, it's only when you're putting that one shoe on the foot that is hurting. The other way, you're wearing the shoe on the foot that does not have a maka. So this is how we would assume, based on our uh, you know, upbringing, that people wear shoes not just to not get hurt. That's, that's the style. You wear shoes. So why would a person not wear a shoe? It's only when his foot is hurting, so he's not wearing a shoe. People wear shoes for enjoyment. It's for comfort. And therefore... From the fact that this person is only wearing one shoe, you're going to look at his other foot. Why is he not wearing a shoe on the second foot? Oh, it must be the second foot. He hurt his ankle. He hurt something. And that's why he's not wearing uh, a second shoe. This foot that has a maka, there's a reason why he's not wearing this second shoe. So we have a basic machlaik is trying to figure out which foot were we talking about when the Mishnah said you're allowed to wear a shoe if he has a maka. And we have two different opinions. The Gemara says, Rav Yechanan agrees to Rav Huna that people would only wear shoes for tsar, they would not wear it for comfort. Rav Yechanan asked from Rav Shemin Bar Abba, 
give me my shoe or my shoes. Yav Diamin. So he first gave him the right shoe. So Amarle, so he said back to him, Asisay Maka, you made it as if I have a Maka on my right foot. Why is that? It must be because we're going to see, this is the source for the concept of how to, how to properly put on your shoes in the morning, or whatever you're putting on your shoes. We know there's a whole system how to put your shoes on. So that's the Gemara Shabbos, this is the source. So we're going to assume that Rabbi Yochanan, held that a person has to put his left shoe on first. However, his, his servant, I mean not a servant, his, uh, his Talmud gave him the right shoe. So now that you gave me the right shoe, I'm going to put that on, and now I can't put on the left shoe, so I'm going to have to walk around with one shoe, the right shoe. And you're telling, it's as if I have a maka on my right foot. So who does he hold like? He holds, like Ravuna, that a person who's walking around with one shoe, that shoe is protecting his maka. So he said, you, you, uh, you made my right foot as if it has a maka. So that's one shot of the story of Rav Yechanan. So the Gemara says, maybe he holds like Chia Barav, that you would wear shoes for comfort. You made it as if my left foot has a wound, has a cast, and therefore, by giving me one shoe for my right foot, I, I cannot put my left shoe on afterwards. So I'm going to be walking around with one shoe on my right foot, and you made it as if I have my left foot with a maka. So we have both opinions could fit with the story with Rabbi Yechanan. Now, once we mention this whole shoe business, let's give some background to the story. Rabbi Yechanan goes according to his tamay, according to his reason. Rabbi Yechanan says, Kitfilin. We tie our shoes like tefillin. Matzvillin, the same way tefillin is biyat bismol. You tie it on your left hand. We know from the from the psukim. Vayil ois ayadcha yakea is your left hand. So you put your tefillin on your left hand if you're a righty. So too, af min olin bismol. You tie your left shoe first. Okay, so that's the classic halacha, we know that, but wait, there's, there's still more in the Gemara. Just want to point out right off the bat, why are we learning out tying from tefillin? The truth is the Shulchan Aruch Harav, which is written by the Balatanya, so he wrote this, a sefer called the Shulchan Aruch Harav, that's what it ends up being called, and he says that anytime a person's tying anything, you should always tie the left first. And he goes on to extended to many halachas. Let's say a person has cufflinks. Anything that you're, or maybe not cufflinks, but you're, you're, you're buttoning something, you're fastening two things together, he says you should always do your left first because it's like tefillin. However, the Mishabur does not say like that. The Mishabur says only when it comes to shoes. And he says, you know, what's the pshat in this whole concept of tying your shoes the way you tie your tefillin? So he brings from the Lavush, from Rabbi Kivager, they bring a Gemara in Chulun. The Gemara in Chulun says that Avram, the Malki Tzedek, the Schar that Avram Avinu told Malki Tzedek that I won't take from you Michut I won't take. I won't have any benefit from from the from the from the booty of war. I won't take from a from a from a shoe string, even a shoe strap. I won't take from you. So the Gemara says Zachu that Avram Avinu's children were Zaycha to two mitzvahs. Which is the chut is chut shall tchelas uritzuos shall tefillin, and the strap is their straps of tefillin. So there's a some connection between shoe straps and tefillin. 
that's the that's where the whole schus comes from. So therefore, the Rabbi Kivaker says this halacha only is regarding tying shoes. However, when it comes to tying something else, you would not need to do the left first, and you could do typically right first. But from this Gemara, it sounds like you tie your left shoe first. Meisve, they said they asked the kasha on Rabbi Yechonon. We have a brisa. The brisa says kishihu noyel when you tie your shoes noyel shiel min va'achakach noyel shall small. When you tie your shoes, first you tie your right first, and then your left first. So how could Rabbi Yechonon tie his left shoe first? Then run, and you would think this is so obvious. Everybody knows this. Of course, every every uh, every yid knows he's supposed to tie your left shoe first. But wait, <laughs> the Mishnah the brisa says not like that. So Rabbi Yosef hash to the Tanya hachi. Since we have one brisa that says like this. Said the opposite. What should we do? The avid hachi avid. If you go like one way, no problem. Pick one, figure it out, tie one of them first. But you're going, pick one sheet that you go with, and either you always tie your right shoe first, or you always tie your left shoe first. So I'm going to lay Hamasnisla Maybe we should paskin like this, Bryce, because even though Rabbi Yochanan theoretically could argue, but maybe you never heard of this. Uh, Brisa and Vihava Shmila, if you would have heard of this Brisa, have a Haderbe. He would have retracted what he said. Inami, or you could say the other way. Shmila, you heard about it. Vikasava, the Mishnah. He holds, we don't pass him like this Brisa. So at the end of the day, we're, we're stuck. We have a suffix, we don't know which one to do. Should we start with your right or should we start with your left? Now, what would be the reason to start with your right? So, if you look at Toysus, the top Toysus here, Samach Aleph, Amad Aleph, he brings down that. In the second line, that Yemin is Chashuva, that the right side is Chashuv for many things. He talks about the Bayan Yad of the Mitzayra, Chalitza, many things that we, we, uh, we, the right has more significance. So it makes sense on one hand to do the right first, and we'll see that many halachas we do the right first. On the other hand, you have this concept of Tzvilin, Yakea, tying the left first. So we're not sure what to do. Amr Rav Nachem by Yitzchak comes along Rav Nachem by Yitzchak and he says, Yerishemayim Yotzi Deshneyan. A Yerishemayim could be Yotzi both. Umanu and who is this Yerishemayim that did this? Mar Berei Deravna. This is Mar Berei Deravna. Because of him, because of Mar Berei Deravna, this is what the Minuk became in Klai Yisrael. If you look in Shulchan Aruch, that's what we do. Hechi Avid. What do we do? Sayim Diemine. You put on your right uh, right shoe first. Veloy Katar. And don't tie it. So you give... Uh, significance to the right side in Kedima, you put the right shoe first, but don't tie it, because when it comes to tying, then I want to be Yaitzetzulin, with, with the Yadkeya, so then uh, Sayim Desmolei uh, then Sayim the he put on his left shoe and he, and he tied it and only then would he go back and tie his right shoe Okay, now just by the way, this whole thing is based on tefillin, so the hard tzvi, Tzvi Pesach Frank points out that when it comes to women, if they're, uh, if, they're, if they're tying their shoes, they should not need to follow this concept of tying your left first, and they should really tie their right shoe first. However, the minog, if you look at most of the Pesachim, they say the minog in Klai Yisrael is that women would also tie their left shoe first, but if they don't, first of all, the Gemara says, David Kemarovid, or David Kemarovid, you have Machlekes Howie Paskin, and there will be a strong reason to say that they wouldn't need to, uh, based on the heart Tzvi, that they don't wear Tzvillin, so they're not included in this halacha. Omar of Ashi, Chazin of Kahana, the Lekop. I saw Rav Kahana, he wasn't mocked on this. He didn't mind if it was uh, tied left first, right first. Every day he did something else. 
Tana Rabbanan. We learned in a bris, and this is brought in Shulchan Aruch as well. I think it's in Simon uh, Simon Dalad. Yeah, Kishu uh, Noel. When a person takes off his shoes, Noel Shiyamin Va'achakach Noel Shal Small. First, you take off your right foot, right shoe, and then you take off your left shoe. Uchushu Cholitz. And when you, I'm sorry, that's when you put it on. Ukushu Cholitz. When you take it off, Cholitz Shal Small. You take off the left shoe first, Va'achakach Cholitz Shiyamin, and then you take your right shoe first. And again, when it comes to uh, significance, the Yamin is is uh, is always. Uh, stronger than the small. I'm sorry, I'm skipping. When you bathe, so let's say a person's washing his hands. So then, you wash your right hand first, your right side first. That's what we do when we wash the Tila Sadaim. You would, you would wash your right hand first. There's a Kavayasha who, who argues on this, but that's Api Kabbalah. Lamaisa, we always wash our right hand first. Then you wash your left hand, your left side. When you're shampooing yourself, you're soaping yourself, lathering, your right side, then your left side. If a person is taking a full shower, then you should, shower, you should uh, put your head in the shower first, get your head all soapy. That should be your, your lead in life, should be your head, your logic, thinking about things. So that is why we give significance to our head, and that is why that should be washed first. So we have two things here. We have, on one hand, that Yamin always comes first, washing, bathing, all these things. On the other hand, when it comes to tying, that's when the left gets uh, gets the significance because of tefillin. Now, what about a lefty? So there are different opinions, but this is the Pesach of the Mishaburu, and I think that's what uh, I would paskin, based on the Mishaburu, that a lefty, would also do everything on their right side first, and except for tying. I mean, tying, they'd also tie their right shoe first. So a lefty would put on their right shoe, because that's the amin of everyone, and they would tie their right shoe, and then put on their left shoe and tie the left shoe, because they want to do yamin first, and when it comes to them, their yadkeya is the right side, the right hand. So therefore, they should tie their right shoe prior to putting on their left shoe. There are other opinions, but that is the psak of the Mishnah Okay, the loy b'tfilin. Then the Mishnah says one cannot go out with tfilin on Shabbos, and it sounds like if you don't go out with, if you go out with tfilin on Shabbos, you are not chayiv achatos. It would only be an isidur abanan. So let's see. Amar of Safar of Safar says loy tema. Don't say that this. Uh, Isser of going out with tefillin on Shabbos is only according to the one that holds Aliba Demanda Amar Shabbos Lavas Man Tefillin who does a machlekes and Erevin Dav Tzadi Hey Machlekes Tanom if the mitzvah of tefillin applies by on Shabbos or not so we'll see that in a, in a few months Machlekes based on Sukkim the pasuk says Miyamim Yamima Miyamim Kol Yamim not all days perhaps Shabbos there's no mitzvah of wearing tefillin on Shabbos so uh, you would assume that. This is according to the Mount Amr that holds Shabbos Lavs Mount Tfilinu. That's why there's a, a Isser, there's a prohibition of walking out with Tfilin on Shabbos. So the so Rav Safra says, no. Loi Tema, only is Aliba the Mount Amr Shabbos Lavs Mount Tfilinu. Ela Filu Mount Amr Shabbos Mount Tfilinu. Even according to the opinions that hold that Shabbos is the Zman of Tfilin, still Loi Yetzeh, you cannot go out in the streets wearing Tfilin on Shabbos. Even if you hold, you have a mitzvah to wear it. Why? There's a Xera 
This person is going to have to go to the bathroom, and or he's going to have to do something, and he's going to take off his tefillin. If he takes off his tefillin in Rishos Rabim, he's going to end up carrying Dalat Amos, and therefore one cannot wear it, even if you have a mitzvah. Now you're going to ask me, what do you mean? If I have a mitzvah to wear tefillin, how could they be mavatalit? So this is not the only time we're, we're, we're telling you not to do something. We have this by Shoifer. We have it uh, other places. Shema Yavirenu Dalat Amos Rishos Rabim. Halach is we do not blow Shoifer Rosh Hashanah when it falls on Shabbos. So we are mavatal mitzvahs. Even though you, you're you're hyped to wear the tefillin, don't wear don't wear it in the street on Shabbos. Now again, we're gonna see Shabbos is lavs man tefillin who, but that's an erevin daf tzadihe. So we got a while for that. That is one way of understanding this Mishnah. Vikat demasila sefer. Some say that what Rav Safra was saying is going on the second part of the Mishnah. What was the second part of the Mishnah? If you go out, it's only an Isidur Abadon. Some Rav Safra, Rav Safra says, don't say this is only Aliba Demanda Amar, Shabbos Man Tfilunhu, and therefore when I go out, it's only Xera, but Midaraisa, I'm allowed to wear it because it's a mitzvah. Ella, no, Afilu Demanda Amar, Shabbos Lavs Man even according to one that holds, that Shabbos is not the time of Tfilun, so therefore you're not being Mekayim anything, I'm not fulfilling anything by doing by wearing tefillin, still ain't a chayev chatos. You're still not chayev chatos. You're not, you're not violating an iser deraisa by walking out with tefillin on Shabbos. My taima, derech mabush avida. You're going out in, in a way of wearing it. So it looks like you're wearing it. So it wouldn't be an iser deraisa. Iser deraisa when a person carries something. You're holding a, a, a drink in rishus harabim. But if you're wearing something, so typically that's not called haitzah, that's called malbush, and it would only be an isidra banan, that perhaps you're going to end up uh, carrying it, dalit amos, in Rishos Rabbim. Okay, next, Gemara. The Mishnah said, you can't go out with this amulet, when it wasn't minamumcha. Minamumcha is a, you know, proven, uh, an expert, that's the actual definition, but the point is that this is a proven cure. If it's not a proven cure, so then what are you doing wearing it on Shabbos? So that was what the Mishnah said. So we're going to try to figure out what does it mean, mumcha. Samara, Papa, Loitema, don't say that it's also to go out, ad mumcha gavra, u mumcha kamea, that the person, meaning there's three people that are involved here. Well, and we're going to specify two of them. There's, there's a few things going on here. There's the person, the makubal, the guy who says, you know, his, uh, his lyrics, his words and what you would put on the amulet. So that's, we'll call him the doctor. And then you have the one who writes it. It could be the same person. We'll assume it is the same person for now, but it could be two different people. And then you have the person who is wearing it. So... We know when it comes to halacha, chazakas three times. So we're going to try to figure out what has to happen three times in a row. That this person wrote three of the same kameas and gave it out to different people. So that seems to be uh, chazaka, an assumption that it works. What if he gave three different ones to one person? So we're going to have all these different variables trying to figure out how do we prove statistically or what the Gemara calls chazaka that this is a viable cure. Okay, in Yanni Diyayma, right? So... Don't say that I need to have the the uh, gavra, the person that's writing, and kamea that this kamea worked three times. So meaning the person had to have written three of them, and this worked three times. You don't need that. Once the person we know. Uh, he has cured three people through kameas, even if they were different kameas. 
No problem. Even though each specific one wasn't done three times. For example, you have this doctor. He's writing these things. So he writes three different kameas. And he gives it to three different people. So is that, and, and everyone's cured. So is that enough to be called uh, a chazaka? So Rapapa says yes. Now I would have thought you need three times each kamea to be a chazaka. Each kamea should need a, a chazaka. Right? He wrote version A, B, and C. And he only used it once, and it worked. Maybe I need three A's, three B's, three C's. Maybe that's part of the, you know, the, um, the trial. So comes our papa, either one is fine. As long as the person who's writing it, he's shown three in a row that he, uh, he has cured people, even though this specific prescription or this amulet has not been proven, that's fine. I'll bring you a proof from our mission. The Katani, the mission said, that it doesn't come from a mumcha. Who's the mumcha? The person that writes it. However, if it comes from a person that, that has done three, three successful uh, amulets, it works. And what should have the Mishnah said if the Mishnah wanted to tell me that the Kamea itself had to have gone through three successful rounds? would have been talking about the Kamea itself. So by saying it's Sheina Mina Mumcha, it's not from a person who's a Mumcha, the one who, the scribe. So we're telling me, like our Papa says, as long as the scribe has been successful three times, even if they're three different types of Kameas and they don't have three each, so that would be enough. Shma Amina, so that's a good raya. Tanarabanan, Ezehu Kameya Mumcha, what is considered a Kameya Mumcha? That this amulet works. So Kol Sharipe, it healed. Vishana, and it did it again. Vishilesh, three times in a row. That is considered a Kameya Mumcha. Echar Kameya Shoksa, whether it was uh, written, a written note, ve'echad kamiya shali karen, whether it was some type of herbs, ve'echad choyle sheyish pesakana, whether it worked for someone who was a, a choyle that was, that was, that was in sakana, ve'echad choyle sheyim pesakana, someone who simply was just in bed, wasn't a choyle sheyish pesakana, and loy shenichba, not only when the person was already sick that it worked, even someone who was nervous that they thought they were going, they were at risk, they were going to get sick, that is also enough uh, for this person to walk out with it on Shabbos. Meaning you don't have to be someone who's sick, even someone who, who's trying to do preventative measures, they're allowed to walk out with this on Shabbos. As long as it's a Kamea, now, the kaisher, you're allowed to tie it, obviously with not a, not a uh, lasting knot, with a kasher she'enu shel kayama, but you could tie it. Umat, and you can untie it, afilu b'shusarabim. Meaning, it seems like there's no concern you're going to walk Dalit Amos without it. And if you're loosening it, you'll put it back on. You're so nervous about it, you're going to put it back on. You should not tie it onto, so Samachal Hamabez, Bishair, a bracelet, Ubatabas, or a ring, So there, when a person walks around with an amulet and is tied onto his bracelet, so then nobody, nobody will assume you're doing it for Rafua. They'll think, I don't know, you bought this in some store. But if you're wearing it the way people typically wore these amulets, so then it would be mutter. So the Gemara says, Vatanya, Ezu Kamea Mumcha. So we have a price that says, Ezu Kamea Mumcha, Kol Sharipa Shloisha Bini Adam Ke'echad. It sounds like 
it had to work for three different people over here. This is working with one person. It said Shana. It said uh, he did it once, twice, three times. Yet this Bryce says Ezek can be called Sharipe Shloisha Bnei Adam Ki'achav three people. So the Gemara says Loi Kasha Ha Lemachui Gavra Ha Lemachui Kameh. When I'm trying to prove that the person who wrote it, so then I need then if it if it worked for three different people, then that showed that it worked. Ha Lemachui Kameh. And I'm trying to show that this Kameh works. <clears throat> Even if it only worked for one person, we could assume that that's enough to be called a kameo. So it depends. What am I trying to prove? If I'm trying to prove that the scribe is good, so he, if he writes it, so he needs to have three different people. But if I'm trying to prove that the kameo is good, even one person, if it, if it healed him three times, that would be fine. Next. Amar of Papa. Pshitali, it is very obvious to me, Tlas Kamea, Letlas Gavra. Let's say you have three different Kameas to three different people that are sick with three different illnesses. Tlasa Tlasa Zimni, three times each, okay? Itmachi Gavra, Vitmachi Kamea. So now the scribe and these amulets are proven. At least be chazaka. We don't need 100% proof. We just need a chazaka that these things work. So three uh, times to these three different people. So you've proven that the scribe is someone to rely on and that these kameas actually work. Now, what about tlasa kamea le tlasa gavri? Let's say you wrote three types of kameas, three different things, le tlasa gavri to three different people, chad chad zimna, and they only used it once. So Gavra Itmachi, the person himself, he's proven, the one who wrote it, it worked. He got three different people to be cured, so he has a magical pen. But Kamea Itmachi, let's say someone else would, would, uh, would want to use this type of Kamea, that's not proven that it works. Maybe it only works when the scribe writes it, when this, this guy has a magical pen. Now, that's one halacha. Another thing, Chad Kamea Litlasa Gavri, Let's say you wrote one type of uh, amulet to three different people. So three people get sick, the same illness, and they all use the same one. So kamiya etmache, maybe the, the amulet's a good amulet. It works. But Gavra, the person, the scribe, he only, he only wrote one thing. So maybe he, layetmache, he is not yet assumed to know what he's doing. He got lucky once. Who said he'll get lucky three times, right? So Baira Papa, now Papa has the final Shiloh. Tlasa Kamil Khad Gavra. So you have this scribe, he writes three amulets to three, uh, I'm sorry, there's, there's three types of illnesses. So he writes three different amulets, Khad Gavra, for this one person, and it works. So, my, what's the halacha? Now, Kamil Vadale Yitmachi. Now, the amulet itself, that, do, that doesn't, hasn't been proven because that only worked once. You had three different amulets that you used on one person. So the amulet itself only worked once. So that for sure not. That not become a mumcha. But Gavra, maybe the one who wrote it, I don't know. Itmachi or layitmachi? Did he prove himself? Because it worked three times. However, it worked for the same guy. It's one guy that used three different kameas and it worked. So the Gemara said like this. Mi amrinon ha'asile. It worked. 
And you see, three times in a row, this guy who wrote it, he was successful. I don't know. Maybe the patient was unique. I don't know. The mazel, Rashi, Rashi explains again, we mentioned a few times already, that there's a malach that always, uh, that always uh, supports us and says good, thing, th- good things for us, klape shmayim. So the malach of this person, or the mazala, as the other Bishanim learned, just the mazel of a person, maybe it worked. This person has a mazel that these things work for him. So just because it worked for him three times, but it's one guy. So maybe only this guy it works for. So therefore, the scribe has not yet been a proven commodity. So he's not sure. Begumara says, take him. We'll leave it. Okay, now we move on to some other halachas within the realm of Kamein. Again, this amulet business, so many halachas learning out. By the way, there's a, uh, there's a discussion regarding just halacha on some of these things. So the Mishnah Bura brings down, and this is halacha that we could be making on many of the things that people wear. People wear many things for uh, refua. They wear all, all types of bracelets. The Shulchanar brings down some type of uh, stone that they would pregnant women would wear as some type of charm. So since most of the time we're not dealing with Isurim Daraisa regarding carrying a Meshasarabim, therefore the Minag, the Shokhanar brings the Minagis to be Mako, and therefore you'll see people walking around with uh, all types of bracelets and, uh, you know, red strings. Even in a, in a place where there's no Erev, the halacha is people assume that they work for something, and the halacha is that strictly it's Mutter. It might be an Indian of being more Machmer if you live in a place without an Erev, but I think uh, the Minag is to be Mako. Okay. Kemian, these amulets, yesh behen mishum kedusha, adoma ain behem mishum kedusha. Does it have kedusha in it or no kedusha? Now, what does that mean? So, what they used to do was used to write some type of pasuk or some type of tefillah on this amulet using the Shem Hashem. So now that you wrote the Shem Hashem on it, does it have kedusha or not? Now, by the way, there's a fascinating discussion found found in, in Shulchan Aruch on this halacha and in Yeridea and in a few other places. Can a person use divrei Tyra t- uh, as healing powers? Classic question. Can a uh, pregnant lady take the safer Noyim Elimelech and put it under her pillow? So, on one hand, you're using Tyra as a charm. Right? But the Gemara seems to say it's, it's fine. Yet the Rambam says it's Asr. So there's a, if you want to read, there, Rav Asher Weiss just put out an English book on medical issues and halacha. He has uh, 15 pages on this discussion. Can you use these types of things? The Noyim Ele Melech, or there's other Minhagim people have to use Psukim. Can you use that as some type of Segula? Is that using Tyra for, 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 for uh, Divrei Chal? However, from this Gemara, it sounds like you could. The Gemara is asking, there's Hashem's name written on it. Is there Kedusha on this amulet? So the Gemara said, What's the difference? You want to save it from the fire? There's a special halacha that we're making. Let's say there's a, there's, a, there's a fire. And you want to bring things, items, out of the house into an area that's not enclosed by an Eruv. So it's only in this is the right button, let's say. So halacha is, you're allowed to save... Uh, you're allowed to save Kedusha Dika things so if that's what your question is well that's not a question because Tashma we have a, we have a Brisa we're going to learn later on that certain things you cannot save one of the few things are Habrachis this thing called Brachis we'll get to this in a moment and Kameas Afapish Yishpen Oisiyos Meinyonis Habishabitara Ein Matzilin you cannot save it from the fire. They must be burnt in their place. Why? 
So if you look, we'll, we'll see this later on, that a person shouldn't have written this. You're not supposed to use the, the uh, Ksava, the Sefer Torah, back to that discussion of using Torah for no reason. That's why you have to allow it to burn, because you shouldn't have written a command like that. So, and obviously, you're not gonna, going to be able to save it from the fire. Now, by the way, what's this brachis business? What, what do I mean? Tashmaha brachis. What's brachis? So brachis is, you look at Rashi here, Rashi later on, brachis was some type of siddur that they wrote. And the truth is, that if you ever try to figure out the first Siddur written, you know, you go to your, your shul, soon, you go to shul, you'll see many shuls have 15 types of Siddurim, Svardi Siddurim, three types of Svardi Siddurim, Ashkenaz, Svard, uh, you know, Nusach Arizal, so many different Nuschais. And you want to say, hey, just t- show me the first Siddur. So the truth was, you were not able to write down the Siddur. You weren't allowed to write it down. The Gemara in Shabbos later on, when it tells you, about this brachis, this pamphlet of brachis, you had to allow it to burn because you were not allowed to write down brachis. It was considered Torah Shabbat, and they only allowed certain things to be written. One of the things you couldn't write down was brachis. So therefore, you have to allow it to burn. You're not allowed to save it in the fire. The Gemara over there says, anyone who writes brachis, he's literally burning it because in, in case of a fire, they're not going to be allowed to save it. So that's the, what brachis means. That's the first siddur which was considered contraband to write down the Siddur. So either way, we see from here that it's not a di- there's no difference if it's Kedush or not. Either way, you're going to have to let it burn. So that's not, that cannot be the Nafkamina. Hello, the Indian, what do I care if there's Kedusha on this amulet? Ligeniza, Ligeniza, do I have to bury it? Your, your classic Shamos question. So we know if something has Dvarm Shepik Dush on it, it has to be buried. So do, do I have to bury the amulet? So Tashma, I'll bring you a right. A, a right. It says, Hayakosuv Ayodis Hakevim. There's a bright that says, Let's say the Shem Hashem, the Yurke Vavke, was written on Yodis Hakevim, on a handle of, of Kalim. Someone wrote, You have a chef, he writes the Shem Hashem on his frying pan. The Al Karehamitu on a bedpost. Halach is Yagoid, you have to cut them off. The Yignizenu, and you should bury it. There's a famous story, I don't know if it's true. There's a famous story. There was a school in, I think it was in Boston, where the, the, uh, the principal or the teacher had wrote, a, uh, had wrote the Yurke Vavke by mistake. And the Shiloh was, they wrote it on the, on the board. The Shiloh was, can they allow the, the, the janitor to erase it? He used to always erase it. And I think the story goes that Rav Salavechik said no. He made them cut out the Yurke Vavke from the board. And they had a whole uh, show the next day in school trying to show them the importance of of covet of, of Shema Kaddish Baruch Hu, and he he had them bury it. They had a whole uh, whole trip to bury the the Shema Hashem. Many people would argue, and they would say that the guy is doing it anyways. Let him do it. Perhaps on a chalkboard that's not uh, Shalchayama. Different uh, discussion. But either way, if in fact it is considered Ksiva, one is not allowed to erase it. You would have to bury the handle of the Yurke Vavke. So that cannot be the Shiloh. Of course, it's a problem. So even if there's no Kedusha on it. I don't care. It's, you still have to, uh, it has the Shem Hashem, and you will need to bury it. The Shaila is, can I bring this to the bathroom? My, what's the Is there Kedusha on the Kamea that says Hashem's name? Maybe there is no Kedusha on it, and it should be allowed. So I remember someone asked me a Shaila a few years back. There's a basketball player, maybe a few of them, that have the Yurke Vavke tattoo on their neck. So can you watch a game or can you bring the paper 
into the bathroom, if it has a picture of the basketball player, it has the tattoo of the Shem Hashem. So what do you think? So over there, there's a halacha that if the Yurke Vavke was written without any Kedusha uh, in mind, so that, that doesn't have Kedusha. Kedusha is only when a person gives Hashivas to something. The more, you, the more you give Hashivas to it, the more Kedusha it has. So when a person's just doing that because they saw it somewhere, they think it's some Kabbalistic thing, so then it's not considered Kedusha. However, the more religious the person is, the more concerned you are that they did have some Kedusha uh, thoughts when they did that. So good question. Either way, Am I allowed to bring in this amulet to the bathroom? So the Gemara says, I bring you a raya. Tashma, what does our Mishnah say? The Mishnah says, the So ask my Rav Shaila, am I allowed to wear this amulet in the street? So he's going to say, okay, is this a proven cure or not? If it's proven, you could. Nothing, you are allowed to go out. I'm allowed to carry it. I'm allowed to wear it on Shabbos. So hold on a second. We know when it came to tefillin, the reason why you're not allowed to wear tefillin on Shabbos in the street is because you might take it off and might carry it down on Now, why would you take it off? Because you can't bring tefillin into the bathroom. So if Kemen have Kedusha, so then how could you allow someone to go in the street on Shabbos with its Zimnin? There will be times the Mitzrich of Beis HaKisei, he's going to need to use the facilities. So it can't be that I'm not allowed to bring the command to the bathroom. So the Gemara says, okay, you're right. We're talking about a different type of Kamea. When the Mishnah said you're allowed to walk around wearing a Kamea, I was talking about Ikarin. Ikarin is some type of herbs, some type of uh, roots. That's Ikar. Ikar means a root. So that was the type of Kamea, but not the written Kamea. So the Gemara says, really? Vatani, you brought me a Brisa. The Brisa said, Echad Kamea Shal Ksav, Echad Kamea Shal Ikarin, either the root Ikarin or the written Ikarin. They're both allowed to be. Walk, you're allowed to walk around with it on Shabbos if it has been proven. So obviously we're not concerned you're going to remove it before you go to the bathroom. You have a and therefore one of two things. Either he's going to keep it on because he's at risk. He's not going to take it off when he goes to the bathroom. Or maybe it's a but they weren't guys there for a sakana. Sigma says, no, but that's not true. Our Brysa says, Either a chayler, that means sakana, no sakana, is allowed to walk around with a kameo that's been proven on Shabbos. And we're not concerned you're going to take it off before you go to the bathroom. It must be you're allowed to walk into the bathroom wearing a kameo. Hello, the Gemara says, Kavon, Demase. That since this thing works as a refuah, since it heals, it has these healing powers, even if you're holding it in your hand, you're not wearing it anymore. Tremendous chiddush. I'm not wearing it, but I'm still allowed to hold it in my hand. Nami shaper dummy. So this kamea business, even if you hold it, so you got to hold it in your hand. Even so, we're not concerned the person's going to hold it. So the gemara says, "Vatani, what's in the brisa?" Rabbi Shaya, or Rabbi Shaya says, "With all this kamea, so we're on samach bezem and olive. We'll get to the mishnah." Of course you can't carry it in Rosh Hashanah. That's an Isra Daraisa. What's going on here? So we're stuck. On one hand, you want to tell me that Kamea has Kedusha. There's the Shema Hashem on it. So of course it should have Kedusha. On the other hand, if it has Kedusha, then you can't bring it to the bathroom. And if I can't bring it to the bathroom, I shouldn't be allowed to wear it on Shabbos because I'm going to remove it because I need the facilities. There's a leather covering on it. Since there's a leather covering on it, you're allowed to walk it, walk with it into uh, into the basic kisei. 
very interesting how this fits with our Gemara and Bracha. It sounds like you need two coverings. So if you, if, uh, I think we mentioned this, the Chai Adam, the Chachmas Adam, was written by the Chai Adam, so it's on Yeridea. He talks about a couple's bedroom and the mezuzah that they, that they should have. So typically, most, bed, most rooms and doors, the door goes in, so your doorpost is on the outside. You don't, have a, you don't have a problem. The Ramah says you can put the mezuzah on the outside doorpost of a couple's bedroom. But let's say you have an arch or something in the room, and you're going to put a mezuzah there. So the classic halacha is you use a uh, you cover, you put it, the, the non-see-through one. But the question is, if it's considered a mezuzah case, we said if it's kisuyav, it's the, if it's the mezuzah case itself, so then it shouldn't work as a covering. That's the Gemara and Brachas. So the Chachmas Adam argues in that, and he says that that's only when those coverings are the natural covering for the mezuzah. But he says, let's say, go out of my way to make a covering, to be the second covering, when I put that covering on the mezuzah, that cover, I'm only doing it because I want it to be the second cover. So when I want it to be the second cover, it works. Even if it's technically a mezuzah case and I bought it in the Judaica store, but the point is to make things mutter. So you could probably bring a raya from here that since this kisu shalar was made to be a cover, like a talus bag, but your outside, your plastic bag on top of your talus is made to be a second bag, so the chachmas other would be makeup. But either way, the case was you had a leather pouch on it, and therefore you're allowed to enter the bathroom with it, so there's no concern. So the Gemara says, really? Just being covered by leather uh, takes away all concern. Tfilin, your tefillin box. So, when, so we, when we talk about tefillin, there's an important uh, side to, to remember. That we, when we talk about tashmishe kedusha, things that are holy, things that are special, unique, that's when it has the Shem Hashem. So if you look at your tefillin, what has the Shem Hashem in my tefillin? The parshiyos. So in your box, in your tefillin shalosh, there's four parshiyos in it. You have Shema, Vahoya, Vahoya, and Kaddish Li. You have four. If you have a Beit HaTam tefillin, it's one way. Rosh is the other way. But you have four parshiyos in your tefillin box. Now, when I, when I wear, now, what's, what's surrounding the tefillin? The parshiyos? A leather box. So why are you concerned about, why were you telling me the amulet you're allowed to wear in the bathroom, but tefillin, I'm not allowed to wear in the bathroom, therefore I can't carry it, I can't wear it in Rosh Hashanah because I might take it off, but tefillin, the mechupa ar is covered in leather, the tanya, nechaz the basic kisi, choylet tefillin, berichok, arba amis, v'nechnas, you gotta take your tefillin four amis away before you go to the bathroom. What do you mean? It's surrounded by leather. So the Gemara says, hasam ishum shin, there's a shin on it. Dam rabaya, and we'll go with Rashi. Rashi says, we'll, we'll explain with Rashi. Shin shel tefillin halach The shin shel tefillin is halach And therefore what? And therefore, the shin starts the name shakai, the shin, the dalad, and the yud. As we're going to see, Amar Abaya, dalad shel tefillin, the dalad in the back of your tefillin, uh, on your tefillin shel roish. That dalad there is also halach l'moish misinai. Amar Abaya, yud shel tefillin halach l'moish misinai. So according to Rashi, this is the, the Pashup Shad in the Gemara. So the Gemara is saying that even though, you're right, there's no shame Hashem on the outside, but if you take the shin, the shin is part of the word shakai, the shin on your, on your tefillin shel roish, the dalad uh, on the back of your head, Tying the, the shalraish t- uh, together, and the yud by your tefillin shalyad on the inside where you put it next to your heart. So that's the shame shakai, and that has the kedusha of of uh, of the shame Hashem. <clears throat> Just by the way, there is a uh, discussion of what where the dalit is. So there are there. If you next time you go to shul, you'll see people sitting in front of you. There's two minhagim regarding your tefillin shalraish. That not. So many have the classic dalad. We could pull up some pictures, but the classic dalad where the actual knot looks like a dalad, that's the minog uh, in Ashkenaz, most of the Lithuanian world, they, they wear that. 
And there's another minog, by the Hasidim they do this, and other, uh, other circles in Klai Yisrael, it looks like a double dalad. So it looks like a mem, actually. So where's the dalad? So after you tie it, the two straps coming out look like a dalad. So that's the dalad. You have the two straps coming out. That's the dalad. That, that's how they learn the Gemara, that there's a dalad there. Okay? There's another um, uh, uh, Kabbalistic way to tie it, but those are the two classic ways. You have the yud, you have the uh, dalad of your tefillin in the back of your head. Okay, that's the tefillin story. One more piece. The Mishnah said, V'loi b'shiryon, v'loi b'kasta, v'loi b'magafayim. So what are these things? So, the Gemara says, Shiryon is a zarda. That's some type of coat of mail, like an armor uh, shirt. Amarav, Rav says, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. So Shiryon is zarda. Kasta, what's kasta? Amarav, san varsa. It's this, uh, it's the... Uh, leather head guard that they would wear underneath the helmet. So they, they, they wore a helmet that was either called a kasta, or this is something they wore under, underneath the helmet, and magafayim, that's the shin guards, amarav, puzmaki, these iron things that would uh, guard their, uh, their shins. So these things, you're dressed up like a soldier. We're going to see later on, the Gemara gives other cases of walking around with a sword. We'll talk about carrying a gun on Shabbos. So there, there is some concern by walking around like a soldier, you're going to get people nervous. There's some type of isidra button to walk around like that, even though technically I'm dressed up. However, there would be a isidra button in that case. We'll get to it as the Mishnah continues. So just one more halacha. We didn't mention it earlier. We spoke about wearing one shoe. So the problem is, you might, according to Rashi, you might take it off if you're embarrassed. If you see someone, you walk around with one shoe, you're going to take it off. So we asked yesterday, what if a person's wearing... He, he walks out of his house, shop this morning, and he, and he realizes he's wearing two different shoes. So if someone looks at him, he's going to be embarrassed. He's wearing one boot and one sneaker. Assuming it's in Rosh Hashanah. So L'chayra, there should be the same problem of that you might be embarrassed and you might take it off. Additionally, the, the place can discuss wearing funny clothing. So let's say, you know, sometimes people are trying to be funny in front of their own home. They're wearing some odd thing, but... If someone who wasn't their next door neighbor, their their friend from you know far away, or the mechatanim would walk by, they would quickly hide that funny hat that they took out. So in that case, the halacha would apply that a person should not be should not walk out of their house like that because they might end up carrying. Now, what do you do if you did in fact take out are wearing two different pairs of shoes? So at most, to keep walking would only be nisadurabanan because there's a chashash you might take it off. However, we learned in brachas and we had it a few times. If it's Pemakan Tsar or it's Kavarabrius to walk around without shoes, so to leave my shoes on the side of the road, so then we would be making and let this person walk home wearing uh, two different shoes, but he should not go out like that. So that would be, so that would be the halacha of, of a wearing funny clothing on Shabbos. All these things are the Xeris and Ritashem tomorrow. We will start the next Mishnah. Shkoyach.